0: Good morning, uh, please turn to James Chapter Four. James Four will be our text this morning. Uh, and as you're turning there, I trust that everyone had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, did everyone get enough to eat? Any Any complaints? Is Anybody awake? Anybody here? Okay, just checking. Uh, I also trust that you did Thanksgiving correctly. Uh, because there is a right way to do Thanksgiving and there is a wrong way to do Thanksgiving. And just in case there is any confusion, I can set you straight on this. Okay, Because the right way to do Thanksgiving is that you have to have turkey and dressing or you hate pilgrims. Okay? Uh, you must have potatoes. You must have green bean casserole uh, or you might be a terrorist. Okay, uh, You have to have pumpkin pie or it's not real Thanksgiving. Also, you have to have cranberry sauce from the can, okay? None of this homemade stuff, it's got to look like the can as it's sitting in the dish, okay? Uh, real cranberry sauce has curves, okay? It's, that's the way it is. Okay, and, of course, I, I certainly hope that you took a little bit of time between eating and watching the cowboys get destroyed by the Chargers to give thanks to God. Because at the end of the day, I don't really care what you had to eat for Thanksgiving or if you ate anything for Thanksgiving. I certainly don't care if you watched a football game or not, but I care desperately about us giving thanks to God. We talked last week at length uh, about part of the reason that Thanksgiving is so vital to our spiritual lives, part of the reason that we need this as Christians is because it reorients our lives around God. Okay, our tendency as we live our lives is to keep sliding back into this mindset which says, I am Lord and the world revolves around me. Okay, and part of what thanksgiving does is it reminds us that no, I am not Lord. There is a God. It's not me. And the world revolves around God. And my plans are not really about me. It should be about what is God doing in the world and then how do I fit into that? Okay? I'm not at the center. God is. God is. Whatever joy we have, whatever peace we have, we have because we have a Father who loves us and gives us good gifts. All right, now, we started a, a mini-sermon series a few weeks ago in James, uh, and it fits right along with this. I hope you remember the main point of this section of James. I think James, in several passages, is teaching us this same point over and over again, and that is that there is one God, and it's not you right? Uh, God reveals himself to Moses. He says, I am the I am. Okay, and part of that is is if there is one I am, then you and I are not, right? There's one I am, and it is not you. Okay, so notice this next section of James, chapter 4, starting in verse 13. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go this way, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Okay, and I have to be honest with you, uh, this morning, my first reading of this makes me immediately want to push back a little bit against James, tell him he's pushing this a little bit too far, okay? Because it sounds like he's telling us that we shouldn't make plans for the future, Uh, we should just kind of live like the hippies do, and just whatever happens, happens, and we'll just take each moment as it comes, okay? And I will admit to you uh, that one of the biggest annoyances in my life is people who don't think ahead. For instance, uh, it drives me nuts when someone has two miles to get over into the right lane because their exit is coming up, but they don't think ahead, and instead they cut me off in traffic at the very last second because it's like they're driving along, and all of a sudden it's, oh, there's my exit. I guess I should get over now. No, you should think ahead, right? Or have you ever been in line uh, at a restaurant, maybe a Starbucks or Chick-fil-A or something, and you're standing in line waiting to make your order, and for about 10 minutes you're standing in line. You finally get the person who's right in front of you to the cash register, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, what do I want to eat today? Well, You need to think ahead. You had 10 minutes to make this decision. Be ready by the time you get to the front of the line. I figured there'd be an amen in there, Right? And I know I'm stepping on toes. Uh, Feel free to elbow your spouse at this one if it applies to you. But people who can't ever be on time anywhere drive me nuts. Okay, thank you. Think ahead. Make better plans. You know, my generation gets criticized a lot for being financially irresponsible. Uh, But I heard a statistic just the other day uh, that half of people, who are set to retire in the next decade, who have enough income that they could be saving for their retirement, are investing zero dollars into their retirement account. Half of people who are set to retire in the next 10 years who need to be investing are just not doing it because they're not thinking ahead. Is James saying that we should be more like those people? Okay, so what's wrong with saying, like in verse 13, today or tomorrow we'll go here and do business? Okay, is that not just being responsible? All right, but I think there's two big problems that James is highlighting uh, that we need to make sure that we avoid if we are going to remember there is one God and that it's not us. Right, and the first one is this that is that we are much too certain about our plans. I think when we live with such certitude about this life, we are denying that God is in charge and that we are part of plans that are not our own. Again, remember our one point. There is one God, and it's not you. It's like on Friday. uh, Friday morning, mid-morning, Luke just announced to the entire household uh, that he was going to the mall because he wanted to go somewhere fun. Uh, oh, okay, uh, on, on uh, Black Friday, that's the last day that I want to go to the mall. Uh, but he was just going to do it because it didn't matter what else might be going on in the world, things that he was completely unaware of. He had plans, and he thought that was the end of the discussion. All right, but let me ask you a question. I think the older you are, the easier it will be to answer it. Okay. How often has God changed your plans? You know, my parents were here this past week, and they were telling me that that Georgia reminds them a lot of the place in Tennessee that we used to live, okay, where I was born uh, in East Tennessee. They said, this looks a lot like that. And then they said, you know, we never thought that we would raise our kids and retire in Oklahoma. But what happened? God changed their plans. You know, Rachel and I, when we got married a little over 12 years ago, uh, we had lots of plans. Going through all the things that we went through with all of Luke's medical stuff wasn't part of the plan. You know, I look back to some of the early conversations we had when we were first getting married. We planned on having four kids. Yeah, that didn't happen. It's not going to happen. That's not, no, the plan's already been put to bed. That one's already gone a different direction. Uh, Moving across the country to a state that neither of us had ever visited wasn't part of the plan. Okay, but what happened? And what keeps happening? God had different plans. How often has that same kind of thing happened in your life? You know, our elders all talk about how they had plans for this church, and God's taken it in a totally different direction. And I've heard all three of them uh, with the wisdom saying that, thank God that he's in charge and not us, right? How often does God take us directions we never envision, but it turns out that God knows better than any of us ever could. All right, James says when we make plans with certainty that our plans are the plans, what we're doing is we're being arrogant, we're being boastful, we're acting as if God's opinion doesn't really matter. We're denying God, and James calls it evil. Hey, I'm not in charge, and you're not in charge. There is one God, and it's not you. Don't be so certain about your plans. Fair enough. All right, second problem with this is that our plans focus on the wrong kingdom. Okay, our plans focus on the wrong kingdom. This is our scripture reading from this morning. We make all these plans about all these things we're going to be doing, and it's focused on the wrong kingdom. I won't spend too long on this. I think it's fairly self-explanatory. Okay, but if you care more about your kid's GPA than you do his involvement in church, that's a problem. If you plan more for retirement than you do for eternity, that's a problem. If you've never shared our faith with anyone, that's a problem. If using our gifts for God's kingdom isn't at the top of our to-do list, that's a problem. If we care more about who wins an amateur football game yesterday than we do about who's here today, that's a problem. Okay, if we care too much about who wins a political office or what they do when they're in office, that's a problem. Okay, When our plans only focus on the kingdoms of this world, we are acting as if God's kingdom isn't the only one that matters. Okay, we are putting ourselves in the place of God, uh, and God has to keep reminding us that there is one God, and it's not us. All right, so how do we avoid this? How do we make sure that we're not guilty of what James is calling an evil in this passage? How do we keep from living with a focus on the wrong kingdom? How do we make plans for the future without being guilty of arrogance and boasting? All right, uh, three thoughts for you. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one is we need to put God in all of our plans. Put God in all of our plans. All right, I want you to imagine A little over four years ago, uh, I got a call from Randy, and Randy says, hey, we would like for you and Rachel and your two children to move across the country and come and work with us in Georgia. Imagine if after that conversation, I went and told Rachel and said, Rachel, I have decided we're all moving to Georgia, and that's the end of the discussion. That you laugh because you know my wife, or no, maybe you laugh because you know your own spouses, right? Now, it was the right decision for me and my family. Very clearly, God was leading us to Georgia. It was right in every sense of the word. It was right for us to make the move here to Georgia. Okay? But how inappropriate would it be if I had told Rachel, you know what? Your opinion in this doesn't really matter. What you think about this doesn't really matter because I know what the right decision is. And so that's the way that we're going to go with our plans moving forward. Okay? She would have felt like, no, that's not what we're doing. She would be very upset, and rightly so, because in a partnership, you don't make unilateral decisions all by yourself, right? You discuss the thing with your spouse, especially big decisions. For me to do that by myself would be to tell her, your feelings don't matter. What you think about this situation doesn't matter at all. The only opinions and feelings that matter in this are my own. No, if we are doing life together, then we make our decisions together, right? Right? So how does God feel when we say that Jesus is Lord and then we make all of our decisions based on nothing more than what we want? The only opinions that matter, the only feelings that matter are mine. I think in those situations, even if we make the right plans, even if we're making good decisions, we're telling God that what he thinks isn't really all that important. Okay, and if we're not doing life together, we're doing life on our own, and even our good decisions then become bad decisions. So do you pray through your plans? Okay, and again, I'm afraid all too often our prayer life looks like little more than a wish list of stuff I really want God to do for me. Right? God, fix this, God, attend to this, and God, please take care of this. But whenever we face decisions about which way to go in life, do we really take those before God in prayer? Do we actually take the time to listen to God? In our prayer life, do we spend time in silence trying to see what God might be telling us? Do we actually take leading from God? When is the last time you took a normal decision before God in prayer? I think part of this also has to do with our humility. Okay, when we make plans, are we humble about them? Okay, or do we get locked in on our plans? Okay, and part of the way you can know this is when God changes stuff on us, when life does throw us curveballs, what's the attitude that we take to that? Okay, I think if we regularly complain about our circumstances, okay, if you're a complainer, okay, and we know who we are, right? My complainers, okay? uh, many of my complainers are the same as my worriers, right? We know who we are. Okay, then we probably have too much pride in what we think we deserve and we need more humility to let God be part of our plans. Are we really allowing God to be part of the plans that we make? All right, number two. James says something also that will help with this is we always need to be aware of just how fragile life really is. Okay, but be aware of how fragile life is. James talks about how our life is like a mist now this sounds like a lot of Old Testament texts. Okay, Isaiah will talk about how your life is like the grass in the field. Okay, and what happens to the grass? It withers and fades away and we don't even remember it tomorrow. Okay? Uh, Ecclesiastes talks about how your life is a meaningless vanity. Okay, several po- proverbs talk about the ephemeral nature of life. All of these texts are set to remind us that your life is a brief flicker. It is here for a moment. It will be gone tomorrow. So how foolish would it be for us to live as if this life is all there is? Now, it's hard to know exactly what life expectancy was like in Jesus' day. Uh, it's certainly much lower than it is in our day. Uh, they had a lot of, of things that we don't face, right? Just modern medicine has increased our life quite a bit. Modern nutrition, um, infant mortality rates in their world were really high. If you had half of your children survive past five, you were beating the odds. Okay, also, they had a lot more people die in combat and disease, all sorts of things. Okay, If you lived in the first century, you certainly would have known people in their 70s and older Uh, But it would have been a rarity. That would have been the exception rather than the expectation like it is for us. Now, occasionally, like on holidays, we get reminders of our own mortality uh, because of loved ones who are no longer with us. Occasionally, we get moments of clarity. Occasionally, we will have moments of self-reflection reminding us that we are, in fact, mortal. Okay, but it's pretty easy for us in the modern world to go for long stretches of time. We can even go for years at a time denying our own mortality. We don't even want to think about the fact that someday we won't be here, and we distract ourselves with whatever we can to try to get us back to normal okay, so that we don't have to ever think about death. Okay, but how do we remember our own mortality in a way that's helpful and not morbid? I think things that we need to do, we need to regularly celebrate our loved ones who have gone on. Uh, I think we need to take communion more seriously. I think a weekly reminder as we gather around the table that Jesus died to defeat death, someday I will die, but it's not the final death, I think is a good reminder. I think we need to invest in things that last. I think we need to be ready to go at any time. Uh, Because we don't know what tomorrow will bring and we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Do we live life with our own mortality in mind? Do we recognize how fragile our life really is? If we will recognize how fragile our life is, then it helps us let our plans be much more God-oriented than just me-oriented. Is that fair? Thank you. All right, number three. We need to broaden our view of sin. We need to broaden our view of sin. Notice again verse 17. He says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. And I'll admit, I spent a lot of time wondering, what does this have to do with anything that we just finished talking about? Okay, what does this have to do with making plans and being arrogant and talking about going to this city or that city? What does this have to do with what we've just been talking about? But then I think that this does fit perfectly with our theme of there is one God and it's not you. All right, um, tell me if this is something that's ever happened in your house, uh, but my little boys are very good at turning their ears off. Okay? Any of you ever have children have problems with that? Okay, uh, often my children, you know, some of you, yo, know, your children listen perfectly. I'm sure they did. Okay, often my children just don't listen. Okay? Sam especially is the one I'm dealing with this right now. Uh, at four years old, he thinks that whatever he is doing has to be much more important than what mom and dad are trying to tell him. Right? And he gets locked into what he's going to do or what he's doing, and he thinks that's really the end of it. I'm going to keep doing this. And often I have to tell him things more than once, and then I have to remind him, Sam, you are not in charge. I can't tell you how many times in the last week I have used that phrase, Sam, you're not in charge. I think not doing good that James is talking about here in chapter 4 is sin. Because we are hearing God OK, but like my four-year-old, we've turned our ears off, and we're not really listening, because we think the things that we've got going on have to be much more important than whatever He's telling us. Okay, we're not listening to God. We care more about our plans and the things that we have going on than we do listening to God. All right so part of this is we need to get beyond the idea. That sin is simply a list of stuff that I'm supposed to avoid. Right, as if I can take some passages from Scripture and say, okay, don't murder, cheat, commit adultery, all these things. And so long as I don't do all of these things on this list, then I'm completely free from sin. And I think James is telling us, no, what it means to be a Christian life and to follow Jesus is that you follow the leading of God. You put God in your plans. And if you're not listening to the plans of God, it doesn't matter if you're avoiding all of these things. You're still living a life of sin because you're still living a life that says, I'm Lord and God is not. We've got to get to a point where we are fully listening to God, where we're doing the things he's leading us to do, where our life is centered on God, where it's not centered on ourselves. Again, there is one God, and it's not you. All right, so the challenge for each of us is as we continue to go throughout our lives, as we go through just this week, is to think, what are the ways in which I keep trying to make myself God? What are the areas in my life in which I need to continue to surrender to the lordship of Jesus? How can I follow his leading instead of just listening to myself? All right, at this time in our service, we're going to sing a few verses of an invitation song. Uh, During the singing of this song, I will be down front. One of our shepherds will be down front. We would love to talk with you or pray with you about anything that's going on in your life. Um, if you'd like more explanation about what it means to follow in the way of Jesus, we'd love to sit down with you and study the scriptures with you. Uh, this is just a time for us as a church to be here for you. And before we sing that song, I'd like to close this with a word of blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you peace. Let's stand and sing.